What's up, y'all? Thank you for tuning in to the Rational Kindness Podcast. We are so excited that you are here at this episode. There's going to be so much that we're jumping into. But like we always say, if you want to stay tuned with everything going on in Irrational Kindness, you know where to go, irrationalkindness.com. Once you go there, you're going to be able to pre-register for the book. Kevin, is it true that you turn a podcast into a book? Princess, in about a few weeks, I've just written a book and I've decided yeah. since we started the podcast, why not write a book? <laughs> no, not really. It's a chance to really take a lot of things we've learned in running our organization, in working with teenagers, working yeah. with all kinds of different age folks to really tell a little spirit of irrational kindness. And irrational kindness to us is just a quarter of a turn in your perspective Yeah, to see the world and yourself in a different light. And to us, it's revolutionary when you can do that. And we don't have to have it all figured out, but what you can do is learn steps to continue moving in a direction that lifts yourself up because it's kindness to yourself Mm -hmm. and lifts others up. So this is not just hold your door open for somebody. It's also steps into all kinds of different ways that you can, you can see persistence, patience in your own life and grow from that. And it's not a read it and you're done. It's really a journey that we're all on to say, hey, how can I institute these different things in my life and really change it? And it's really cool to be a part of this adventure. Gosh, that's awesome. And Kevin, if I wanted to order the book today, how do I do that? You can do it at rationalkindness.com, directs you to Barnes and Noble and Amazon, the different options where the book's out there. Let's learn together and push each other to have the crazy pursuit of the extraordinary life. And why not throw in some irrationality at it and throw in some kindness. And to us, it's the perfect combo. Are we going to get it started? Let's get it started. Let's do it. You're listening to Irrational Kindness. Hi, I'm Kevin. And I'm Princess. We work with hundreds of amazing team members at our three Chick-fil-A restaurants in Canton, Georgia. We lift up the celebrity in every human. Hey, that's you. We seek to understand over being understood and prioritize kindness. Towards yourself and others. Over, over everything. everything. Well, Princess. Today, we get to learn from William Presley. Wow. He was born in 1925, and he was born by Dr. Rhodes, who delivered him. Mm. This guy, Dr. Rhodes, Uh delivered thousands of babies in this area. What? Yes. And oftentimes, when people didn't have enough money, if you give them some chickens or some eggs. Wow. You're pregnant. Yeah. They're not taking chickens or eggs. (laughs) Try it. That's what I'm thinking. All right. I'm going to try it at my next appointment. We'll see. William Presley, it worked for. That's the community he grew up yeah. in. And he grew up this extraordinary life we talked about. Mm-hmm. That's his life. Yeah. Everything from growing up before the Depression yeah. to being raised by farmers to serving in the military and uh, being one of our heroes in Iwo Jima to being married 73 years. It's just an incredible story. And I can't wait to talk to Mr. Presley. Here's what I know about Mr. Presley. What's up? Uh Uh-oh. Wait a minute. (laughs) All good stuff. Here's what I know about you. I better leave while I'm ahead. (laughs) Not only is he have an incredible history of living here in our Hickory Flat community, but serving our nation. Yeah. You know, influencing so many people throughout his life of 95 years here on the earth. But He's also one of the most loyal Chick-fil-A yes. customers we got. <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, three to four times a week. And you know what um, I love? When I ask people about you, mm-hmm. 
It's that you made them feel important. Yeah. Here we are. We're just fast food workers, but you took time to get to know us. When it's our job to get to know you, you're yeah. the guest, but you come into our restaurant and you got to know us. Wow. What's driven you to care about people and make them feel important? Well, you guys do a good job in uh, making people feel comfortable in your facility. Uh, the employees are all courteous, kind, and neat, friendly, and we just enjoy being around them. And the food is good, too. <laughs> the food is so good. <laughs> what is your favorite Chick-fil-A item? Well, the Chick-fil-A item would be the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich with fries and a milkshake. That would be my favorite meal. The old original with throwing in a milkshake. Right. What kind of milkshake are you going to go oh, with? Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You've lived here in Hickory Flat in Canton, Georgia, your whole life? Yes. Yeah. Is that right? 95 years. Wow. That's 1925? Right. What in the world was going on in 1925 when you well, came into the world? it was a real dry year, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad tells me. But uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember too much about it. The beginning of the Depression was coming on, you know, and that was hard times, really, mm. for people who lived on the farm uh, like we did. What did they grow? Well, they grew uh, cotton, corn, hay, peanuts, and uh, we always had a big uh, vegetable garden, too, mm. in the summer. Was it near here, the farm? Because yes. you know, well, uh, Lord, this you, was the Pinion Lord, farm you know, that we're here. Paul and Dot Pinion lived in this house. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed with the way you've cleaned up Paul's home place here. <laughs> I tell you, he's probably looking down now and, and smiling from ear to ear. Mr. President, that's really sweet because I say I feel like a steward of this land. We talk about a lot. I'm like, I want to take this land that they had and be a steward in open hands to see where God could take this. We have a dream of it being a resource for foster adopt children and and young people in in crisis and to really encourage them and challenge them and Mm -hmm. give them a place where they can see a brighter future. Right. That's that's. That's great. And to do it in an environment where we have some donkeys. Yes. We don't have any donkeys here. We do, we do want donkeys here. <laughs> Although Paul had, he had horses and, and uh, there's been probably been a lot of cattle on this land and probably, different things out there. Probably so, yes. And a lot of people were born here. Is that what happened? Were people born in houses around here? Yes. Or how did that work? Well, uh, Dr. Rhodes was our uh, country doctor. He lived in Hickory Flat and he had a an office in his home, and he would make uh, house calls. And his daughter, Mary Lois, said that he delivered several thousand babies wow. in this community. And I'm honored to be one of them. Oh, wow. How about that? That's awesome. At your house, at the parents, right. at your parents' right. house. Right. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Yes. This area has changed a little bit since then, hasn't it? It has. It has. What did the Hickory Flat Community Store? Because when you know that was an important piece of this community, is wasn't it? The Hickory right. Flat Country Store. What did Absolutely. that mean to you? Well, the store was a place that the men would meet to catch up on the news, especially on a rainy day when they couldn't work on the farm. They'd come to the store and uh, sit around and uh, shoot the breeze and uh, talk politics and solve. All the world problems. <laughs> but the store was a general store that uh, had just about everything you could 
think of that you would need on the farm. Where would you go grocery shopping? We grew our own groceries mostly. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we, the only thing that uh, we bought, as I can remember, was uh, flour and uh, sugar and coffee and stuff like that. What's your response when you think of what's better today or where it was years ago? Well, I'll tell you, Kevin, I've, I've seen the corn and cotton fields give away to uh, new grocery stores, drug stores, banks, restaurants, and finally a Chick-fil-A, thanks to Mr. Kevin Williams. That was a beautiful day, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. So you appreciate some of the progress when we can bring oh, a Chick-fil-A absolutely, closer. Absolutely. You got to remember back then when I was a kid, uh, we had dirt roads. We didn't have electricity in our home, no television, no radio. We didn't have a radio until I was almost grown. And then you get the electricity and things get, get a little better they in some ways. Little... You then went to um, college at Reinhardt University, but then you decide to switch gears. Well, I got married. That was a... yeah. They always do that to us, that... don't they? <laughs> I had to change gears. That's good. <laughs> Falling in love does that. Tell us about falling in love. Yes. What year is this that you're falling in love? Well, I met my wife first Sunday in June in 1947 at the Union Hill Methodist Church. They were having a all-day singing. You probably don't never heard of that, but they used to do a lot of that around in this area. And uh, I, I thought she was a real cute little gal, and yeah. so I arranged to have a date with her. And uh, we dated for about... Uh, Six months and uh, got married in uh, December 6, 1947. How about wow. that? Wow. How many years has that y'all been married? 73 years. Thank How you, about Lord. that? That's incredible. 73 wow. happy years. That's good. Mo- most happy years. So you got married and then you decide, I guess I need to start earning a living to support this marriage with right. Catherine, right? Right. That's right. And where did you start there? Well, I worked uh, several years with the Veterans Administration, and then I finished my career with Eastman Kodak Company. I worked 29 years for Eastman Kodak Company. Tell us what you did for Eastman Kodak. Well, I worked in sales, worked in the credit department and customer relations and traveled some, and just I really enjoyed it. It was a great company to work for. It reminds me a lot of Chick-fil-A Company, really, because... They looked after their employees. Did you ever know Truett Cathy? I did. It was 1946 is when he started the Hateful Dwarf House. And hearing the journey that you've been on is so similar to Truett's because your journey had a lot of ups and downs, didn't yeah. it? Yes, it did. And uh, I remember when uh, Truett Cathy first began, the first um, uh, mall that he uh, wanted to put up his store in, I think it was Cumberland, I'm not Greenbrier. sure. Greenbrier. Mm-hmm. Greenbrier. They didn't want him to come because he wouldn't stay open on Sunday. Mm. So he prevailed, though, and mm-hmm. after a while, I think they realized that they had a keeper there, yeah. had a winner. And, uh, they thought, well, you got to be open on Sunday. Right. This doesn't make any financial yeah. sense for him. Right. And he had to convince them that, give me a shot to let it make financial sense. And right. he knew what he had to make them successful so that he could be successful, but right. it proved in holding to his convictions. Yeah. I was just thinking here about all the different challenges that yeah. Mr. Kathy had, and I'm just thinking about you. You started right out where once you got in this marriage, then you decided to go sign up for the Marine Corps. Yeah. Is this after you were married when you decided <laughs> no. to? 
No. That's before you got married. Oh, got you, got you, got you. Okay, so before you got married, though, you decided to take a bold move and uh, sign up for the Marines. Right. And was that something you'd been wanting to do? Not really. I I hadn't thought too much about the Marine Corps, but back then, uh, all 18-year-olds had to sign up for the draft, you know, and Mm. I got this letter from Uncle Sam saying... You need to report to Fort McPherson for induction into the armed services. Wow. So I was down at Fort Mac along with my friend, Lamar Forrester from Canton, and we were standing in line to be inducted into the Army. He says, I dare you to go with me to join the Marines. And I stepped out of line and said, let's go. Oh, wow. (laughs) Next thing I knew, I was in the Marine Corps. Wow. Seizing unexpected opportunities and off you went, right? Right. right. And you went out to California. You decided, hey, I'm 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 not going to play it safe. I'm already in the Marines. Why don't I go out west? Were you already a West Coast guy or was this a new experience (laughs) for you? Coming never, from Canton, Georgia. I, I'd never been out uh, hardly the state of Georgia. Mm. And I had an opportunity to take my boot training at Paris Island, South Carolina, or San Diego, California. And I said, oh, I want to go to California. <laughs> and uh, it took us about five days and six nights, I think, to get out there. Wow. And I was homesick before I got out there. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> never been away from home before. Gosh, a country boy at heart. Right. Man. <laughs> Well, that's beautiful. But you had an incredible experience I don't think you were planning on. Yeah. Because the Marines was in the middle of a lot of needs in this country, weren't they, in the world. You go out to California, and all of a sudden, you're heading out to Iwo Jima. What in the world was that like? Well, when we left California, we uh, went to Hawaii, and our Marine camp was on the big island of Hawaii. And we trained there for some time, and then... Later, uh, we evaded Iwo Jima. Wow. February the 19th, 1945. Mm. What was that like yeah. when you found the news that here I'm going to go? Yeah. Well, we didn't know exactly where we were going. We are on the ship. We didn't travel by planes back then. We had to travel by troop ships. And uh, we were, I guess, about three days out in the ocean before they told us where we were going. Mm. And we were going to hit Iwo Jima. Oh, God! What went through your mind when they told you? I don't remember exactly how I felt, but we didn't know what was ahead. Yeah. We didn't know what to expect, really. Mm. I didn't. Where are we at in World War II when this has taken place? Well, this was in 1945. The war in uh, Europe was, you know, getting close to winding down, but Japan was still very active at that time. Right. So when you got there, yeah. what what is that like? When we got to Iwo Jima? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was 19 years old. Mm. I was scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the battle battle actually lasted 36 days. Wow. That's a long time to go without a shower. And yeah. We lost uh, 6,800 men, mm-hmm. 28,000 casualties. Well, wow. what a bravery. And you saw Mount Suribachi. And when they raised that flag in that yeah. iconic picture that just every time you see it, it just sends chills down your spine. Yeah. Right. What was that like? Oh, it was a great feeling. When I looked up and saw uh, our flag waving there in the breeze on Mount Suribachi, I thought that was the most beautiful sight in the world. Did you know how historic this moment was? Yeah. Could you sense we didn't, that? We didn't realize the historical significance of the flag waving. What happened after you left Iwo Jima? Then you went back to Hawaii? Hawaii. Yes. Okay. We were getting ready to invade Japan, and 
They dropped the atomic bombs, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. After the war ended, we did uh, go into Japan and do occupation duty there for about seven months. Visited the cities of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Nothing there. Mm. Flat. Gosh. And then so after those seven months, then did you come back? Yeah, I came back to uh, San Diego. We boarded the ship in Japan and came all the way over to San Diego. And I was so proud to get on the soil of the good old USA. I mm. felt like falling down and kissing the ground. That's right. So happy. We owe so much to you. Yes. And uh, the world is a fast-paced thing right yeah. now. But we've all got to find time to stop and say yeah. thank you yeah. and find time to, to uh, appreciate that. Well, yeah. And uh, it's that. not easy to do sometimes to realize what went on to you know to pause to really say yeah. we saw we say it oftentimes here a kindness, kindness pause. pause yeah but honestly <laughs> it's really a kindness pause just to say thank you yeah um yeah. for what you did and and the impact of those men so. you'd be surprised how many people would do that if I have a cap on you know a veterans cap on they stop and tell me how much they appreciate serving well uh You've had an incredible lifetime, and here you are today at 95. It's amazing. You're a testament to marriage, how important that's been, and being a partner with somebody. But you care about people, and mm-hmm. that's what radiates. Uh, and I'm grateful that you care about Chick-fil-A and yeah. our team and loving on us, where uh, we really feel like all we should be doing is loving on you for mm-hmm. the life you've lived, the way you protected America, mm-hmm. and uh, and the example you've lived that we can follow in this community. We can look up to you and uh, know the future's bright because of people like you, Mr. Presley, that led the way. I yeah. appreciate that very much. 95 years, so much has changed. What kind of wisdom or advice do you have for these younger generations that are coming up? Stay in school, study real hard, practice the golden rule, do unto others as they do unto you, keep your faith in God, have respect for authority, and always keep a good positive attitude. William Presley. Yeah. He is irrational kindness. Mm -hmm. He sees the world in a different light. And living 95 years, first of all, is irrational. Yes. (laughs) But just a life that we can all learn from. Yeah. And uh, and we stand on his shoulders, as I said, for being a, one of our heroes in the nation. Our freedom and many in this entire universe, freedom, rest on William Presley's shoulders. Yeah, and his sacrifice and him keeping this idea and just seeing the world and like that there's still good in the world. And that even though 95 years, so much has changed, he said it, the main things don't change. And that's. How do you treat people? How do you see the world? And we just learned that from him tonight. The golden rule. All right, y'all. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in to the Irrational Kindness Podcast. And if you want to stay tuned, check out irrationalkindness.com. But until next time, make sure you go pre-order your book and stay kind. Be irrational. We out. Gotta get in while you can. Gotta get out while you can. Gotta get in while you can. Gotta get out while you can Play your cards right, middle man Play your cards right, middle man Play your cards right, man And check your gauge Check your gauge Check your gauge Check your gauge